Good morning and welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous AA meeting on air. My name is Rachel and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. We'll start our meeting with the serenity prayer. God, God grant, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. The Preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Welcome to our meeting this morning. We have members of our fellowship in and they'll be sharing their experience, strength and hope about their journey and recovery from alcoholism. And to start the sharing off, we have Vlad. Vlad, would you like to share? Uh, good morning. My name's Vlad and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Vlad. Hello. Um... My alcoholism started basically when I was 18. Um, I'd always been a designated driver. I always sort of was on a high horse about alcohol. I didn't think you needed alcohol to have fun. I couldn't understand why people would want alcohol to have fun. It tasted horrible, smelled bad. And um, it was a basically it was how I reacted to it. I just did not like alcohol until one day at a party... Um, someone says, well, you're always driving, you drink tonight and I'll drive. And so I tried it. And it just blew my mind. Um, all of a sudden, my insecurities were gone. I was an 18-year-old boy. I was overweight. Um, I had low self-esteem, poor self-confidence. And all of a sudden, that just evaporated. Um, I know for a fact I was better at pool. I'm pretty sure my jokes are better. I was better looking. I had so much confidence. Basically... I wasn't wrapped in my own head worrying about what other people thought of me. And it was just brilliant. I loved it. And I couldn't wait till the following weekend to do it again. And um, that was basically how I started every weekend. Um, it was come a Friday night. I could not wait to get from university and just go straight to a party and start drinking. And then it started progressing to weekday drinking while I was at university. Um, it got to the point where, well, lectures were just you know, a side hassle. We're here anyway, the bar's there, let's just drink. And I had no problem with it whatsoever. I mean, I was young, the um, after effects didn't last long. I feel a bit nauseous the next day, but that's easily sold by another quick drink in the morning and then away you go. And before I know it, um, it had become a major part of my life. I couldn't actually fathom the idea of going out and doing something without having a drink first or having a drink while I was there. It didn't bore me at the time because, you know, everyone was doing it. And um, I just kept on and on, and then I went overseas. And like everyone who travels, um, alcohol was a huge factor in that. And once again, I followed the herd, and I just drank myself, well, basically five years of backpacking. I think I was only sober for about a month, and that was in the Sahara Desert, where there's not many bottle shops. When I got back to New Zealand, um, I still had that hardcore drinking philosophy, but my friends had changed, they'd got jobs, they had careers, that settled down, and I couldn't understand why they didn't want to drink all the time. If we went out to dinner, I'd preload first, I'd get myself half cut and join them, and generally, I thought I was being hilarious, but I was obviously 
quite obnoxious and had no filters. And eventually they stopped. Basically, they didn't want me to come out with them anymore. And I was quite resentful at that. And I was also, I got to the point where, well, I thought, stuff them. If they don't want to drink, I'll just drink by myself. And I was more than happy to do that at the time. And then it got to the point where I was dreading them calling to ask me out and also quite annoyed if they didn't. And as time wore on, um, I got used to drinking by myself. Um, I, the funny thing is, like, I don't know at what point the alcohol stopped being fun and life just changed dramatically. Um, I still couldn't fathom the idea of having a day without a drink, but I didn't want to be sociable anymore. All my old fears, insecurities, they were coming back. They were compounding up quite fast. The more I drank, the less happy I felt. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't figure out why, but I just. I could not walk past anything with alcohol in it without taking a swig. It got to the point where I'd start. Um, I wouldn't drink from a glass. I'd leave wine in the fridge and just think, well, it's not so bad if you just squig from the bottle instead of having the glass in front of you all the time. And um, it started affecting my work. Um, I was taking more and more time off with hangovers. And I was drinking more to cover up for the for the hangovers until one day I was at work and I noticed my hands started shaking and the corner of my mouth was twitching. And I went at lunchtime to a bar and had a couple of quick drinks and it stopped and I thought, oh, well, that's that problem solved. But once again, I was just constantly drinking and I wasn't socialising anymore. Um, I had started to drink at work to get by just to stop the shakes and I would drink to blackout almost every night as soon as I got home from work, three or four bottles of wine, easily done. And the shaking got worse and worse. And the way I saw myself, well, I, I stopped looking at myself in the mirror because I just didn't like the reflection. So if I couldn't see it, just like a child playing peekaboo, if I can't see it, it's not real. Um, as, I, as I said, it got progressively worse. It was hitting me so slowly yet at a million miles an hour. And it got to the point where I'd lost my job. Um, I stopped caring about my appearance completely. I didn't um, bathe very often. I wasn't eating much. Um, basically, I had so much alcohol in me all the time that I couldn't eat. Um, even a few bites of toast would make me feel nauseous and make me want to um, heave or gag. Um, I couldn't drink coffee or water anymore. The only thing I actually could keep down was wine. And so I survived um, basically on alcohol. I had my first seizure um, a couple of oh, about four years ago, lying in bed one morning, and I thought it was just the shakes as usual. But then my whole body started spasming, and it lasted a couple of minutes. And when that stopped, I went to the fridge and sculled a bottle of wine, and it went away. By now, I realised something was seriously wrong, but I, I couldn't stand the thought of Alcoholics Anonymous because for me, what I'd seen on television, it was just a bunch of sad old people complaining about why their lives sucked. And it was too close to admitting that I had a problem. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't think the problem was that serious. Although I did notice that in the mornings when I'd look out the window, I'd see people walking, going to the cafes, going shopping. I had an insane jealousy and hatred for these people because they could walk around and just do normal things, simple little things that I couldn't do without having at least a couple of litres of wine in me. And it all came to a head um, Christmas three years ago. I thought I'd try and stay sober uh, for Christmas for my parents' sake. And I got up in the morning and I thought, I've got one bottle left. I'll just have that and all will be good and I can stay sober. 
because I tried to stop drinking beforehand by myself. Um, it always ended disastrously because the shaking got too bad. And I panicked over that because I'd be dry heaving, gagging, and like I said, the alcohol was the only thing that would stop it. And so I did try, and that resulted in me having a seizure on Christmas Day. And I ended up in hospital. Um, the doctors gave me a 10% chance of surviving the night. Um, I did and I didn't. I had a heart attack. I was dead for apparently five and a half minutes. Um, I was put into a medically induced coma, and I woke up um, a few days afterwards, strapped to a bed, not comprehending anything about what was going on. And a couple of days later, the doctor asked me if I could understand what he was saying, and I said yes. He said, I have uh, my liver is degraded to the point where it's at 1,800 points, which is quite serious, apparently. And he said, if I didn't stop drinking, um, I would probably most likely be dead by Easter. And my parents were by the bed, and I looked at them. And for the first time, I admitted that I have a problem. And I actually felt quite relieved saying it. It sounds stupid. I was strapped to a bed with a catheter in, not really aware of my circumstances. But I realised I had a problem. And just saying that, um, it felt like a great weight was being lifted. My parents looked at me in a combination of disgust and despair. But I eventually went to a rehab centre... Um, where my goal was basically to learn how to drink properly, not to stay, get sober. Um, by this point, I was on massive amounts of diazepam. I couldn't see properly. I couldn't feed myself. I was drinking um, coffee and tea through a straw. Um, people from AA would come in and do talks, and I really I couldn't focus on the 12 steps that they put on the walls. I couldn't really focus on what they were saying. But I did notice that after, before and after meetings, they would go outside and they would laugh. And there was something, it just some part of me recognised that it was a weird little spark of hope that I'd like to laugh again. And that was my main goals in rehab. It was no longer to have a drink by myself, to myself, to celebrate doing rehab. It was actually to have a laugh, to have a cup of coffee and drink it with one hand. It was a simple, silly little goal, but it was what I was really fighting for. And so I started paying attention to what these people were saying. And um, it just, I, like I said, I still couldn't read properly, but I got people to read parts of the big book to me. And basically it was just seeing these people with... Um, They could just enjoy their lives. They could take responsibility for their lives again. They could see a way out of the despair that I've been in for the last 10 years. And so I worked towards that. I I did the steps um, at first half-heartedly, but then I started realising that they were working. To my surprise, they really did start working. And even though it's been hard work, it's been almost three years. I haven't had a drink since. I'm fully employed again. Um, my parents and I have a close relationship again. I have good friends. Life isn't rainbows and unicorns. I still face problems every day, but now I have the ability to see them and do something about them, act responsibly and choose wisely. And it's the best decision I've ever made. Thank you. Thanks, Vlad. You're with Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM. We have members of our fellowship in this morning and they're sharing their experience, strength and hope about their journey of recovery from alcoholism. And the next person to share is Lisa. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, My name's Lisa. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Hi, Lisa. Lisa. 
Oh, it's good to be here. I'm actually feeling a little bit nervous, which, you know, this isn't about me. And um, thank you, the previous speaker uh, described some of the um, internal chaos that I can recognise where um, my disease of alcoholism took me. So apart from the fact I'm not an 18-year-old male, um, I, um, yeah, my, my drinking in teenage years... Um, it it was something that I really enjoyed. It took away an anxiousness and a nervousness and a sort of a... I never quite felt like I fitted in and somehow putting that alcohol in my system and all of that um, sort of slight edginess went away and, and I felt like I was in with the in crowd. And so, in short, the, the my drinking at the beginning uh, was nothing like it was at the end. Um there's something that happens to me, uh, you know, so in my 20s and 30s there was, alcohol was always around and, and I would orchestrate situations, you know, have um, champagne breakfast because what a good, a good way to get drinking in the morning that was uh, socially acceptable, you know, um, so... Things are progressive for me though and um, as the previous speaker spe- said, um, I needed more and more of the alcohol to take away that anxiousness because what was happening is when when the alcohol wore off, um, I'm, you know, I was still left with me. I was still left with that unease, that sort of nervousness and, you know, alcohol worked and it worked until it didn't. And I always thought that I was choosing whether I drank or not. And in the beginning... Um, that was true at some point though um, there were things that started to happen where I was losing more and more of my choice so I could stay I could stop I could stop alcohol drinking alcohol you know for periods of time the thing that would happen is that uh, I couldn't stay stopped or I would always find a reason to justify to get back drinking again because that's actually all I knew. Um, I didn't like who I was when I wasn't drinking. I just didn't like that uncomfortable feeling. So part of me probably didn't really want to stop um, because I was frightened. And I only um, have come to learn in recovery that... I was frightened of things I didn't even know I was frightened of. I didn't even know what that was. So, you know, it talks about a hundred forms of fear. Um, I, I just thought I'd had a couple of bad breaks and, you know, of course you'd drink if you had some of the experiences that I had, you know, all of that justification. But at the end of the day, I uh, just wasn't feeling good enough and alcohol was my solution. Um, I tried the liver cleansing diet because I, I was starting to feel um, a, a throbbing liver, um, you know, under my rib cage and going, oh, wow, that's not good. So I, I started the liver cleansing diet and eating healthily. And, of course, it's an abstinence-based program for eight weeks. And um, I got to day 12 and thought, oh, I'm feeling so much better. I'll reward myself with a bottle of wine. So, you know, logically that would seem insane but the the reality is is that i was losing the choice whether i drank or not it's exhausting being um an alcoholic in active addiction in a 24-hour period i was spending um either time recovering from the effects of drinking uh 
I was drinking, I was buying the resources I needed to drink, or I was getting rid of the empties on recycle uh, bottle day. That's exhausting because I had all these bottles hidden in all sorts of places. And it's like, how do you get rid of that? Well, I used to go up and down the street um, taking my empty bottles and putting them in other my neighbor's recycling bins. I, I called myself the fairy, the bottle fairy. Like I, it was like, God, do they only drink that much all week? Well, I'd do that in a night, you know. So that was all part of that insanity that was really starting to kick in. The real damage, though, was what was happening to me inside and how I was feeling about myself. And the reality was, as I was fueling something that should have been starved, and I was starving something that should have been fueled. And by that, I mean as I was fueling fear and my addictive um, nature and I was starving. I was starving of love. I was starving of connection. Um, and it was all because I didn't feel worthy or good enough. And um, that's a really, it's, it, it sounds really sad and it's, I, I've never met an alcoholic in active addiction or an earlier recovery who feels great you know like it's a pretty lonely place to be and certainly that was my reality I had plenty of people um, loving me I had all the reasons to stay sober I had two little boys at the time who um, really needed a consistent mum and the truth was, the, as things were progressing, as I was losing the choice or I didn't even know what would happen, if I put alcohol in my system, it was all bets were off as to what was going to happen because I actually didn't know. So, um, and I knew that and I was frightened about that. And as I say, I tried to just do it by willpower and I'm very willful and... Um, but I, it was more powerful than that. And I, uh, I knew of the letters AA and I had a fear around what if somebody recognised me as if I'm that important, you know. So I went to an AA meeting out of my area and I stood outside of the meeting and I heard laughter. And the previous speaker spoke about that. It's, I couldn't remember the last time I actually laughed and um, a couple of the women looked at and I thought, gosh, this must not be the alcoholics. They must be in a back room somewhere dressed in raincoats or something. I don't know what. And I'll, um, but uh, they welcomed me. They said, come on in, Lisa, and um, sit down and it will get better. And I failed to see how that was going to to work. I had financial problems. I had relation, lots of relationship issues and just it was chaos but it was more that I was um in a really really uh that we call it the jumping off place you know um I couldn't drink and I could not not drink it was kind of like I'd lost the it had stopped working alcohol had stopped working I was in blackout a lot of the time supposedly functioning but dead inside so I chose to plump myself right in the middle of AA, fortunately, and women gathered around me and just, in fact, it was hearing, I needed to know whether I belonged. And as soon as people shared their stories, I thought, gosh, this is the first time I felt like I belonged. 
and the people have loved me back to health and um, my sobriety date um, got sober in 2010 so for, for someone who was a daily drinker in the end to clock up 24 hours at a time um, that wasn't my doing this is a fellowship of people who help each other and I'm so so grateful I've got a very full life today so thank you Thanks, Lisa. You're with Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM. We have members of our fellowship in this morning and they're sharing their experience, strength and hope about their journey of recovery from alcoholism. And the last person to share this morning is Matt. Hi, everyone. My name is Matt. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Matt. Um, it's really great to be, uh, to be here uh, today. Um, I'm sitting here and listening to the other speakers and and obviously people out there listening to this can't see it but i'm nodding my head and i'm agreeing with so much that i've heard um and some really great sharing so uh thank you guys um yeah uh i guess like i said my experience is is very similar um i'm two and a half years sober at the moment, um, my drinking career started uh, in my early 30s, um, so I was a late bloomer, if you will, um, but it, it didn't take very long. Um, I'd spent a great deal of my adult life dealing with anxiety and depression um, and just used um, therapists and medication to kind of keep that at bay. Um, but then when I, when I changed careers and it was social, sociably acceptable to drink a lot and it was joked about a lot, um, you know, I just, I, I just started and, um, it was a quite a stressful job at the beginning and I, and I found relief every night. Um, and, and it, over a period of five years, it progressed quite rapidly, um, and, you know, I found myself in AA. And that, that journey took a while. Uh, took a, took a couple of years between my first meeting and, and when I decided that, that it was time to stop. And as, as I look back, you know, this might sound strange, but giving up the drinking over a period of, you know, my first year and a half of, of drinking, you know, it was tough in that time, but looking back all things considered you know it wasn't that hard for me to get that um relief and not and 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 not have that obsession to drink anymore um what i'm kind of dealing with now is you know that period of time in my life where i was struggling with you know mental illness um, that's kind of resurfaced because I don't have, you know, I don't have the solution in alcohol anymore. Um, and it's funny because I've, lately I've been really thinking about, you know what, maybe, maybe it wasn't so much anxiety and depression. Maybe it was just simply alcoholism. And I just... Yeah, and I need to find that solution in AA um, because, you know, alcoholic, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. So I just, yeah, so I've just been really searching. Um, and that in itself has been tough 
um, when I got asked to do this meeting, um, I actually hadn't been to a meeting in four weeks. And, you know, I got the text message and, and asked if I could come along. And, and I thought, well, I'm not doing anything that day. Why not? So I just, without thinking about it too much, I, I replied. I said, yeah, I'll do it. But immediately after that, I was like, you haven't been to a meeting in four weeks. What are you going to share about? You don't deserve to go and do that. And there was all this negative self-talk. And, um, and you know, now that I'm here, I'm like, I'm so glad I'm here. Um, so it's just getting over that initial hurdle, I guess. And, and that's, that's the work for me now, is to now start making changes in the way that I think about myself um, and make changes in what thoughts I allow into my head. And, um, you know, that's something that there's a, there's a great deal of fear in that because my default is that self-hatred, that self-negative talk. And, um, you know, when that's so instant, it's it's tough to change that. But it's it's amazing. I've got a, a, a wonderful higher power that looks after me. Um, you know, that four weeks that I hadn't been to a meeting, I was really, you know, I was just exhausted and I was just, I can't be bothered or whatever. Um, but he looked after me. And, you know, in the space of 48 hours, I got two requests for two different service opportunities, both of which I decided to say yes to. And that's got me back going to meetings and engaging with the program. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do this program without um, my higher power, which I choose to call God, um, without that spiritual support um, nudging me along and, and helping me, I'd, I'd be completely lost. So um, that's something that AA is, has helped me reconnect with. You know, I, was, I grew up in a Christian home and, um, you know, for a long period of time, just it just wasn't part of my life anymore. And, you know, coming back to AA has really helped me to connect with that. And um, I've just found it super helpful. So um, I'm truly blessed, even though life is tough, like, like you were saying, Vlad, you know, life isn't unicorns and rainbows, I think you said. And, um, you know, there's still tough days, but. You know, there's a there's a program. There's so many meetings that I can go to. We're so lucky in Auckland, um, and you know, there's these steps that I can kind of follow and try and figure out as I go along, and a sponsor who's willing to to take me through them. So it's really great to be uh, to be here and to be able to share a little bit of my story. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. We have a couple of minutes left, so I was wondering if you would read the promises for us sure uh thank you um the promises as outlined in the aa big book if we are painstaking about the this phase of our development we will be amazed before we are halfway through we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experiences can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. 
Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly and sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Thank you, Matt. That brings us towards the end of our meeting. If you've been listening and identified with our speakers and you'd like to do something about your drinking, you can visit aa.org.nz where you'll find a list of meetings in the Greater Auckland area and right throughout the country. You can also phone 0800 AA Works and this will put you in contact with an AA member in your local area. We'll be back here next Sunday at 10.45 on 104.6 Planet FM with Alcoholics Anonymous AA Meeting on Air. We'll close the meeting with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference.